You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has grown great love, shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your, your faith has saved you, go in peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't remember exactly how we got on the topic, but a few weeks ago, uh, the staff was having lunch together and we started talking about my irrational fear of outside animals being inside the house. It started out when we lived in Blissfield, uh, Michigan, where we had a, a big, huge field behind our house, and we had a garage, and right next to our garage was a carport. And it happened somewhat often that we would drive into the carport and see eyes in the dark. And sometimes it was a possum, and sometimes it was a raccoon and sometimes it was a cat that was just out and 
Since then, of course, I've had our share of mice, bats. In fact, Chuck told me this morning that he was getting a, ch- a, a bat out of the church just on Friday. And we had a mouse problem at our last parsonage where and I went down and I opened up the junk drawer and right there was a little mouse with his big eyes looking right at me. And so I have this fear of outside animals uh, being inside that's only been fueled by what I've read on social media and what I heard at that lunch that day. I have nightmares about it, nightmares that we find that there's some strange cat or seven stuck in our basement that we can't get out. I've always had irrational fears since I was a child. When I was little, any time there was a thunderstorm, I, my stomach would hurt and I would run down and camp out in the basement. When I would have fears that our house would burn down. And so I was so afraid of that that I went into my parents' bedroom and I cut a hole in the screen so that if there was a fire, my dad could just put his, hole, his fingers in that hole and tear the screen open or really just lift the screen out. But, you know, he was thrilled that I made the hole instead. I was afraid, afraid of being kidnapped. I was afraid of nuclear war. Whenever President Reagan came on, I just felt anxious and nervous and sure he was going to tell us that we were at war. As a teenager, my fears changed. I was always afraid of my invisible audience. You know, when you're a teenager, there's this audience of people that no one can really see, but they're always keeping track of what you're wearing and how you're doing your hair and all of that kind of stuff. I was afraid of that audience and I was afraid of not being liked. As an adult, in addition to outside animals uh, inside the house, I'm afraid of heights and roller coasters and phone calls from my parents that begin with, I have to tell you something, although that one might not be that irrational. Of course, at different stages of adulthood, I've had the fear of failure and the fear of letting people down and the fear of messing up my kids. Whether or not we want to admit it, we all have fears both rational and rational, and the Bible is full of people who are afraid, which might be why fear not or do not be afraid are the most commonly used phrases in the Bible. In fact, you can find, in, in, find it in the Bible, be not afraid or fear not, 144 times. And it's almost always when a messenger from God is addressing someone with something that God wants them to do. Now, perhaps we find these words because fear prevents us or at least stalls us from being the people God calls us to be. I mean, just look at Moses, right? Moses uh, was contacted by God through a burning bush, called to do something amazing by letting the people go, and he is afraid. And so he makes excuses like, I'm not a good speaker, and no one will believe me, and I'm afraid of Pharaoh. And then there's Gideon who's afraid, and he makes excuses like, my family isn't well-respected, and I'm poor, and I'm far too young. And speaking of being too young, Jeremiah is afraid and makes the excuse of, I'm too young, I'm just a boy. Then there's Jonah, Well, don't get me going on Jonah, because Jonah really just didn't want to go to Nineveh, which, of course, was fear. And there's Paul. After his shipwreck, he's afraid that he wouldn't be useful to God, afraid that people would be after him. 
Every one of those examples, though, God came through. God provided. To Moses, God gave him Aaron. Aaron will do the talking for you. And then he taught Moses signs and wonders, gave him a stick in order to uh, show the mighty power of God. There were plagues, which of course we know were eventually what led uh, Pharaoh to letting people go. Gideon, God tells him, I am with you and I will make it happen. For Jeremiah, God provides. For Jonah, God sent the fish and he went to Nineveh. For Paul, God is with him and we have his letters and teachings to this day to help guide us. God called each one of them to do great things and each one was afraid and each and every time God provided and the call was lived out. I wonder, what is God calling you to do or be? Are you living out that calling? Is there something you're afraid of? When it comes to living out your faith, living out your calling, have you ever been afraid to invite someone to church? Ever been afraid to speak up uh, for something you believed in? Ever been afraid to say yes to something God might be calling you to do? There's a story. It's, afraid, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. Um, and in fact, if you were here with me when I was at the church before, I know I told it to you before. If you know me, you've heard the story. It's about a woman. She wanted peace in the world and in her heart. She wanted all sorts of good things, but she was frustrated. The world was falling apart. She'd read the newspaper and she'd hear all of, and she'd read all of these awful things and she'd get depressed and she'd listen to the news and she'd get depressed and so she decided one day she would just go shopping. She goes to the mall and she walks around and there's a new store and so she wants to go into this new store and see what it has to offer. She walks in and she's shocked because she sees there behind the counter is Jesus. She knows it's him because she's seen his picture before, right? So she walks up to him and says, do you work here? And he says, I do. Well, what do you sell? It's Jesus, so he says just about anything. And he suggests that she take a look around and bring him what she'd like. So she starts browsing, and she sees all these great things, peace on earth, and no more war, and no more poverty, no more cancer or illness, no more drugs. There's clean air and careful use of resources. She picked them all up. She brought them back to Jesus, and she laid them down on the counter, and he says, no problem. He goes underneath the counter, and he starts to lay out packets on top of that counter, what are those, she says. They're seed packets. This is a catalog store. You mean I don't get the finished product? No. This is a place of dreams. You come and see what it looks like, and I give you the seeds. You go home and plant the seeds. You nurture them and help them grow, and someone else reaps the benefits. Oh, she said. And she left the store without buying anything. Fear can be paralyzing. Being the person God calls us to be means taking risks. It means investing. It means hoping and believing that things are possible. And that can be scary for sure. 
Being the person that God calls us to be means working harder than we've ever imagined. It means having people not understand what you're doing. It means being criticized and rejected. It can mean going to places you never dreamed or perhaps returning to them. It can mean moving out of your comfort zone, speaking up when you're more comfortable being quiet, not making much money, stretching yourself, taking risks. But it can also mean joy and fulfillment and hope and experiencing God's grace in different ways that you ever imagined. Coming face to face with the living Christ in another person, finding forgiveness, finding love, feeling loved, being affirmed for the good that God is doing in you, meeting new people and Uh, that God places in your life to support you and learning to trust and see that God provides every time you take that risk. Jesus was invited to dine at Simon's house. Simon was a Pharisee. A Pharisee is a Jewish scholar who studied the Jewish law and held the law in high regard. Simon would have followed the law uh, to the strictest of standards. Now, Jesus didn't have the best reputation with the Pharisees. He often broke the law, right? His ministry is filled with doing things like healing on the Sabbath, which means you're working on the Sabbath, breaking the law, or eating with people that were considered unclean that he wasn't supposed to. The Pharisees couldn't quite figure out who Jesus was. Was he a prophet? Was he sent from God? Was he just a man wandering around, spouting off about God, breaking the rules? The Pharisees were curious. We can assume that Simon was curious. He was intrigued. He wanted to meet Jesus, to get to know him, so he has him over for dinner. And in the middle of dinner, a woman comes into Simon's house, She just lets herself in. Just lets herself in. This woman is pretty bold of her. She's not any woman, not just any woman. She's a woman of the streets. And according to the law, that made her unclean, someone that should not be talking to Jesus or let alone Simon. She has quite a bit of audacity as she just walks into the home of a Pharisee. A place she she surely should not be. But she's come to know Jesus. She's witnessed his kindness and his teachings. And so she enters Simon's house. And she kneels at Jesus' feet and she begins to weep. And then she uses her tears to wash his feet. And she follows with anointing his feet with oil, something that must have cost her a great deal of money. Now, Jesus is clearly touched by this act, receives it as a gift, and is blessed. Luke places this story in the middle of Jesus' ministry and his gospel, whereas the other gospel writers place it near the end of their books to show how the woman prepared Jesus for death. But here, though, it seems to be a story about courage and hospitality and love. The woman was compelled to offer a gift of love and hospitality to Jesus. Simon was incensed because she was unclean, and Jesus offered love and forgiveness to the woman and used the opportunity to teach Simon a lesson. 
the woman did what she felt called to do. Perhaps it was for the first time in her life, she decided to be the person whom God was calling her to be, and so she mustered up her courage, and she offered what she could. And her offering was met with love and forgiveness. I'm sure it wasn't easy for her. Knowing the house she entered, knowing that she would be judged, perhaps rejected, even thrown out on the streets and even stoned. But she did it anyway because she wanted to be the person that God was calling her to be. God calls every one of us. There are no exceptions. Yes, it can be scary to be who God calls us to be, but it can also be incredibly wonderful. Doors can be open, lives can be changed, we can experience new life, we can experience heaven on earth. From the very beginning of your life, God has been equipping you with gifts for ministry, tools to live out your calling, and your church is here to help you do just that. It's our job to help each other to connect to God and God's people. It's our job to help each other to have the courage to be who God calls us to be. Now, as we look to the fall, we have a lot of things coming uh, that we are excited about as a church to help you to live out your calling, to connect with other people. And one of the things that we're doing to really help you with that is a survey. Now, I know you're like, oh, great, another survey. That sounds great. But what we're going to be doing is sending out an email in a couple of weeks with a five-question survey, just five questions, to help us to know what your gifts are, what your needs are, what you're looking uh, for at the church to, to serve, maybe for a small group, things like that, so that we can match you with the programs that are and the ministry opportunities that are happening at the church. So please... Uh, look for that. Please fill it out. And if you don't want to fill it out electronically, we'll have paper copies. If you're coming to the 50 and over lunch uh, barbecue that's at my house on August 20th, uh, we'll have paper copies for you there. Um, lots, of, lots of ways for you to fill that out. And then just a few weeks later, on September 12th, which is our kickoff Sunday where we, you know, we hope we're all back and all of that, we'll see. But we're going to have a ministry fair featuring all of the different ministries and missions and outreach opportunities and small groups that you can be a part of to help you to grow in faith, to live out your faith, to have the courage to be the people God calls you to be. And so I hope you'll come and learn about new and tried and true opportunities for you to grow in faith and find ways to serve your clergy and staff, your leadership team, your fellow worshipers, all of us want to help you to find out and find and live out your calling. Now, part of my calling as your pastor, part of what I take very seriously in my life as a pastor is to help you to recognize your gifts, to help you to see how God is calling you and to help you to use them, to live out your call to serve God and grow in faith. I take that seriously, and so if ever you want to talk about that with me, if you've got a question or you're thinking about that or you're looking for that, please come and talk with me, make a phone call. I'd be glad to have coffee or, or whatever that is, just to talk about it and help you to discern and figure that out because we're on a journey together, friends. We gain courage from one another, but God is always with us. No matter how afraid we might be, God is there, and God will provide. We just have to have the courage to be the people that God is calling us to be.
Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.